0: Hi, this is Sarah Chan.
1: And I'm Timo Choi.
0: This is Biz Leader. Biz Leader is a podcast show where we invite CEOs and heads of international organizations and companies to share with you their insights of the industry and their success formula. Today we're going to have a conversation with a cultural entrepreneur in Hong Kong.
1: One could say the cultural entrepreneur in Hong Kong. I'm hard-pressed to find anybody else who has made such an indelible mark on the global art scene from Hong Kong. I speak, of course, of Magnus Renfrew. Magnus is got a great smile. I've only ever seen him in a suit. The first time I met Magnus, I think it was late 2007, 2008 and it was on the cusp of the first show of the Hong Kong Art Fair, Art Hong Kong. Even before it was bought out by Art Basel. Uh, Art Hong Kong and now Art Basel Hong Kong is the premier art event of the season in Asia.
0: Since its inception five years ago, Art Basel Hong Kong has transformed the city into one of Asia's most important cultural hubs. If you happen to visit the city in spring, Art Basel Hong Kong is the place to go whether or not you have an eye for Asian art.
1: But it's not just Asian art, it really is a collection with that emphasis on regional galleries showing art from all over the world. I think the last show had a strong focus on Southeast Asian art as thanks to its new head of Asia, Adeline Oi.
0: From 2007 to 2012, Renfield was founding director of Art Hong Kong, or Hong Kong International Art Fair. After the Art Hong Kong was acquired by MCH Group, the parent group of Art Basel, Renfield was responsible for kicking off the first Art Boss Hong Kong. He later served as the founding director of Art Boss Hong Kong from 2012 to 2014.
1: Yeah, Magnus was there to kind of shepherd the transition over, and I think after that he worked for Auction House before moving on to his current pursuits. Okay, but let's hear Magnus talk about his early days in the whole art fair scene.
2: So I worked with Art Hong Kong for five years, and then with Art Basel for two and a half years. Launching Art Hong Kong the first year was a a major challenge. We didn't have a track record in organizing major international art fairs, and so we really started with a blank piece of paper, and had to put an event together within nine months. We managed to get 101 galleries from 19 different countries to participate. I was on uh, 40 flights in six months, traveling all around the world trying to persuade galleries to come and collectors to come. Um, and that first year when we were trying to build credibility and momentum was very challenging, but also very enjoyable and very exciting. Both under the, uh, the previous Art Fair, Art Hong Kong and, and Art Basel, I think the spotlight has put, been put on uh, the city for the international art world. So I think that more and more of the mainstream international art world have become more familiar with galleries and with artists from Asia and the Asia-Pacific region. It's also um, put the spotlight on Hong Kong's cultural community. Uh, The artists that are based here, many of the collectors that have come to Hong Kong to visit the art fair have also gone on studio visits, they've visited local galleries, and so they've become more familiar with the local scene.
0: In 2008, some 20,000 people visited Art Hong Kong in its first year. Ten years later, 80,000 people across the globe visited Art Basel Hong Kong in 2017. This year Art Basel and UBS released a market report for Global Art Fair. Here are some of the key findings about the art market in 2016. Firstly, the US remained the largest market for art with a market share of 40%. The UK was the second with a 21% share with China breathing down its neck at 20%. Secondly, The largest sector of the public fine art auction market in 2016 was post-war and contemporary art, which accounted for 52% of the market by value. Thirdly, in the post-war and contemporary sector, the US maintained its status as the largest centre for sales, but its global share dropped 11 percentage points to 36%, while China post a 17% gain to become the second largest market with 33% of sales. Well, Art Basel is seen to have transformed the cultural landscape of Hong Kong and its perception globally. Renfield also talks about the changes that Art Basel has brought to Hong Kong.
2: Well, I think that the art market in Asia has developed very rapidly uh, and substantially over the last 10 years, but it really feels like it's just the very beginning. We're seeing an expansion of collectors' tastes within Asia, to collect art from beyond their own uh, domestic market, to start collecting work by artists from wherever they might come from in the world. And at the same time, we're just beginning to see increased institutional interest in the art of China, and so I'm hoping that this is going to provide uh, a much more sophisticated understanding, a much more widespread and more sophisticated understanding of the cultural production of China. For various reasons Hong Kong has has become quite established as a centre for the trade in art and that's largely to do with tax and its geographical location but also uh, for other reasons such as the fact that uh, it is a very easy place for uh, people to navigate both for people from Asia but also from further afield and because of the shared history with the UK English is commonly spoken and it makes it perhaps more. Easy to navigate in a way.
1: I used to cover art for China Daily as a print reporter, and it's been interesting seeing the evolution of art tastes uh, amongst Chinese collectors. And I mean, undeniably, that's a huge segment for the art fairs and and indeed the galleries out here. Like around the time when it was still just known as Hong Kong art, uh, most of the Chinese collectors favored, of course, their own native works. In terms of works coming from outside of China, it was usually only masterpieces that Chinese collectors wanted, like your Rembrandts and whatnot. And I mean, we've seen this reflected in the ridiculous astronomical auction takes over the years, but there's been concerted effort by Renfu and indeed others in the field to kind of expose Chinese collectors to a wider range of contemporary art, especially from outside of China and Asia. With each iteration of the fair, uh, be it Hong Kong Art or Art Basel, what we've seen is an increasing amount of, say, baskets or, or what have you, kind of entering the flow. And they've also been selling well over the years.
2: I think that partially through the rigorous selection process that the art fair has, it's helped to uh, increase the standards across Asia in terms of the galleries' programming. And so people are taking much more of a curatorial approach to their programming as well as a commercial approach and there's also a far greater consistency of programming now which I think is very important. In a sense, much like an art fair is only as good as the weakest gallery, a gallery is only as good as its weakest artist or its weakest exhibition. One of the most important ways of learning about art is through looking and having the opportunity to see art, and so I think that events like Art Basel or auctions really provide an opportunity for people to discover art, often for the first time. And I think that events that have this kind of scale play a very important role in areas where there's, uh, uh, perhaps at the moment, not such a strong institutional scene. But I think that in the future there needs to be uh, some very, very strong institutions and museums throughout China and within Hong Kong that can really help to provide a different way of looking at art that's beyond only market concerns.
0: Renfield explained his book, Uncharted Territory reasons behind Hong Kong's ascent to global art hub in a short 10 years' time. He wrote, To redress the current imbalance in worldview would be harder to achieve convincingly in the context of the inherent cultural subjectivity of London, New York, or Beijing. It sometimes seems to me that the truly extraordinary nature of this opportunity for Hong Kong to redefine global is not widely recognized. It does not have to decide between celebrating the local or global aspects of its cultural identity. It is and can be both. And Hong Kong's local is increasingly receiving global attention.
1: I mean, while the private sector has been very active in in its promotion, the Hong Kong government has also jumped in and they're redeveloping West Kowloon, um, which is this strip of land jutting out into Victoria Harbour on the Kowloon side into an arts district. So, we're going to have, like, they're building this um, amazing theater for Chinese uh, opera and dance. And there's also going to be the centerpiece will be the M Museum, which has been built as on par with uh, the Tate or MoMA Museum of Modern Art in New York.
2: Well, I think there's an extraordinary opportunity there with M, the new museum dedicated to uh, modern and contemporary culture. Um, At the moment, most of the major global institutions have a very West-centric view of the world. And I think that now, in the 21st century, there needs to be more of a multipolar understanding of the cultural production around the globe and a truly global perspective. And I think that M-Plus has the opportunity to really reconfigure people's idea of what global means.
0: Renthieu has also pinned high hope on the M-Plus Museum. He wrote in his book, to give an indication of the importance of M+, it will rival in Scale Modern in London and MoMA in New York. This opportunity is not once in a generation, but once in a century or more. The chance to create, in Hong Kong's image, a forward-looking institution of global significance for the 21st century.
1: So I think Magnus's career has been kind of this amazing example of developing what skills you can at your current job and then building on that and taking it to your next position. He started HK Fair, or Art Fair. And uh, from there, he obviously made a lot of good networks, a lot of good connections, but it was largely seemed to be like kind of a production operational role. From there, he joined Bonhams, or undoubtedly he worked with a lot of curators and whatnot. And again, learned what he could, developed those networks, and took it to his next venture, which is a startup or essentially a consultancy, which is kind of the perfect amalgam of all the skills he's picked up along the way.
0: But I don't think it was a smooth travel for him because um, the finite market, like any other market, has uh, down seasons and high seasons. He joined a company to help the company's expansion in Asia, but he left the company only after two years. It's widely reported that the sluggish economy across Asia or even uh, in the global markets had somehow impact his...
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's, I, don't, I wouldn't completely put the, um, the onus on Bonhams either. I mean, I think it was just a difficult market for most of the established players from overseas because at the same time, you also had the rise of Chinese auction houses, like locally based auction houses. They were, you know, past learning to walk and they were starting to run and this kind of cut into the pie for everyone as it were. And let's not forget, I mean, the receipts from the art market, be it sales or auctions, I don't think it's really come down that much. Um, You saw this explosive, explosive growth from 08 onwards. So like basically, while the rest of the world was in a recession, there was still a lot of hot money from China, finding its way into various assets. Invariably, art was one of these assets. And so you had basically year-on-year gains, which were just defying all expectations. And once that started to taper off, combined with the introduction of more regional competitors, um, maybe the profits weren't as fat as people expected, but it wasn't by any means kind of a loss-making environment overall. Although obviously, when times do get leaner, not to say starvation, there is the need to kind of control costs and and reevaluate what your core income streams are and and diversify towards that or away from others.
2: We started our business uh, earlier this year, so it's a very young business in the spring of this year, Uh, but things are already progressing very well and we're looking to expand uh, from Hong Kong to create an office in London in the autumn. I really wanted to create a company that made the most of my own experiences. Art HQ Group is a group of companies that are focused on providing solutions and creating platforms for the international art world. We have four main areas of activity, strategy, search, events and digital. Uh, From the strategy point of view uh, it's about trying to help companies and entities within the art world to develop their own vision and mission and to, to develop a very clear plan to be able to execute that. Uh, Art HQ Search provides executive search solutions for the art world. Art HQ Events creates uh, landmark events to help uh, market arts and galleries, Um, and we're looking at the possibility of creating art fairs uh, elsewhere in Asia beyond Hong Kong, making the most of our experiences to date with Art Hong Kong and with Art Basel in Hong Kong. And lastly, we're very keen to keep an eye on digital and the developments in the digital sphere for helping to promote artists and galleries. At the moment my client base is is truly global. We're working for clients uh, in Europe, in Asia and in America. But I think there is a real need to develop the cultural infrastructure within China. It has been very much market-led to date but I think that there's a huge amount to be done still in terms of providing the institutional framework uh, for Artistic validation in, in the future. But the art market, much like any other market, does have its uh, ups and downs. It is a cyclical market. Uh, but I think that, as within any business, it's important to diversify your business interests, both in terms of discipline but also in terms of geography. So we have quite broad interests and broad, broad activities. Um, in difficult times, people are all often led to reevaluate their circumstances and their strategies and so we're in a position also to help people to re-evaluate their strategies both in the good times and in the not so positive times.
0: So Magnus wishes to bank on his experience in the industry but to start a business or to join this finite market is not always a smooth travel. According to the market report released at this year's Basel, the global art market achieved total sales of roughly 56.6 billion US dollars in 2016, an 11% drop from the previous year. The US suffered a 16% decline in sales in 2016 to 22.9 billion US dollars, due largely to lower auction results. In China, Sales also fell by 2% to reach 11.5 billion US dollars in total. Magnus also has some advice for young people.
2: I'd say to do what you love if you can make it financially feasible because you'll be better at it and you will be happier in every aspect of your life. Be adventurous and take risks early. Uh, Don't wait for permission, nobody's going to give it to you. So make things happen yourself.
1: That's definitely one reason to get up in the morning if you like doing your job. I mean, conversely, I've heard that like you really ought not to make your passion your day job because you might get sick of it.
0: That's a wrap for this episode of Biz Leader. I'm Sarah Chan.
1: And I'm Timo Choi.
0: Catch you next week when we sit down with Tom Chan, CEO of investment and IPO firm Success Finance Group.